Hey, my friends, before we get started, I wanted to let you know that I have created a link, timdouglasinspires.com forward slash schedule now, where you can schedule a discovery call with me if you have any questions about you know your life facing the storm or anything like that. You need someone just to hear where you're at and give you some uh, maybe some direction. I'd be happy to do that. Go to timdouglasinspires.com forward slash schedule now to schedule a discovery call so we can just chat and love to help you, love to serve you and add value to you. So also this episode is sponsored by Naked Warrior Recovery. Naked Warrior Recovery was founded by Will Branham, who is a 26-year Navy SEAL veteran. And he discovered CBD uh, while he was with the teams, but waited until after he retired from the teams, then um, saw great benefits from it. So he said, I got to get this in the hands of other people like me who struggled and suffered through um, just life, right? And and the storms of life. You can actually hear his podcast. Uh, I did a podcast with him just a few episodes ago. Definitely go check that out. But this episode is sponsored by Naked Warrior Recovery. Check them out. They're awesome. Will's been gracious enough to give us a code. It is Buffalo20. That'll give you 20% off your entire purchase. So go check Naked Warrior out today. That is at nw-recovery.com. Hey, welcome to the Inspired Way podcast. I am your host, Tim Douglas. And if you're wondering what the heck is the Inspired Way, well, let me just tell you real quick. There's a few things that we can learn by watching cow and buffalo and how they face their storms. The cow will see the storm coming. They will turn the opposite direction away from going the same direction as the storm, trying to get away from the storm as fast as they can, run into the beautiful blue sunshine out in front of them, dark clouds behind them. However, the storm always catches them, which increases the amount of time, stress, frustration that they have to deal with that storm because now they're running in the storm and with the storm. The buffalo, on the other hand, sees the exact same storm coming. They turn towards that big old dark cloud and they face the storm. They run into the storm. And by doing so, the storm passes over the top of them going the opposite direction, decreasing the amount of time, stress, frustration, and pain that they have to deal with that exact same storm. And I know that is so true in my life. I've seen that play out time and time and time again, or when I try to avoid some things, it always costs either myself or others frustration, stress, and pain. So I wonder, are you facing your storms today or are you running from them? This podcast is all about facing those storms. Thank you for being the buffalo. We need more buffaloes, more people facing the storms in their lives today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Welcome to the Inspired Way Podcast. This show is designed to inspire and empower you to face the daily storms of life with passion, strength, and courage. We believe that we can be transformed by the testing of these storms, growing stronger, not wavering in our faith, and a knowing that our endurance will be strengthened. And when it is all said and done, we'll be perfect and complete, body, soul, and spirit. For we seek to control the controllables and nothing more. Our goal with this show and company is to keep a posture of learning by renewing our minds daily and taking action on what we have learned so that when the storms of life come our way, we are ready to face the storm. We, 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 we are ready to face the storm. Hey, my friends. Welcome back to another great episode of the Inspired Way podcast. I am your host, Tim Douglas. Super excited that you are here today. Man, my guest today is an amazing man. I've gotten to know him over the last couple of weeks, and it's been a pleasure and an honor to have him in my life now. 
and uh, it really just started by us getting connected online. It's amazing how how those types of relationships just work out. But my guest today um, shares a very, very vulnerable story. It's very raw. I will say that right up front. It's very raw. He shares um, some uh, pretty grave details uh, of an experience that he had while serving in the military. And I'll leave it at that because I'd love for you to hear his, his story and the way he brings it. And um, I just, you know, this show is very, like I said, raw, but a lot of vulnerability. My guest, J.R. Spear, who is a Navy vet, uh, really just shares this experience that he had, one of this major storms that he has gone through in his life very vulnerably. Um, and I, I th we hear this all the time, that vulnerability is strength. And as men, um, it's very hard for us to come out from behind our ego, our pride, um, our warrior shell, so to speak, the mask that we put on for others. And so I just uh, am excited to share this story with JR, of JR with you, who really just uh, lays it out there. Um, he, as, as my friend Will Brennan would say, you know, getting naked, you know, the uh, naked warrior uh, it's like really um, taking down that that warrior shale and and getting naked, getting vulnerable, and allowing others to see so that they can help you. Even though he's far removed from the incident that happened, uh, it, you can still see how it impacts him through this episode. Without further ado, my friend Jr. Spear, welcome to the show, Jr. Welcome, thank you. Yeah, man. Uh, so, listeners, uh, Jr. and I met um, in a a private Facebook group that we're a part of, a, uh, the Billion Dollar Brotherhood, and it's really a, a brotherhood of entrepreneurs. And, and I saw a post that uh, JR made, and JR, man, I, I just thank you for coming on, and I look forward to your story, sharing your story with, uh, with the audience. Yeah, I'm excited. You know, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, so with that, uh, is there a, a specific storm that um, you would like to jump off with? I know you've had many, so. Yeah, so um, one, one in particular, you know, First off, a little backstory about about me and like what I what my job was when I was in that, the military and the services. I was security for the chaplain. Um, I also provided um, administrative duties to help them. So I was in the Navy, but I was attached to the Fleet Marine Force. And my main my main job in a combat situation was providing security for the chaplain because chaplains are uh, the only true non combatants that there are. They don't even carry a weapon in the service or anything like that. Versus medical personnel, you know, they're they're Navy personnel as well, but they're not combatants. But they can also carry a weapon for defense, but chaplains cannot. So that's why they have like my specific job or they pulled another Marine or someone that actually would protect the chaplain during a combat situation to provide that security for them. So, um, so that, that was my main job when I was in the military. So I was in the Navy attached to the Marine Corps and deployed with the 15th Mew um, in 2006 uh, to Iraq. And we spent uh, nine months with the, on the 15th Mew and it was, uh, you know, on, on land doing, doing our missions and what we got to do. But there was one specific event that pretty much changed my, my life forever. And it really gave me a different outlook of what the way I perceive different things, the way that I act today, you know, being so long ago, um, you know, I'm still suffer from both mental and physical uh, limitations and, you know, different, different uh, issues that I, that I run with on a regular basis. So, but uh, on February 7th, 2007, I was um, involved in a suicide bombing at a walking checkpoint. Um, 
you know, and I've only shared the story a few different times, um, pretty much starting this year in 2020 and was just kind of encouraged by other colleagues and people that I network with saying, Hey, you know, you need to start sharing it. And, and I just, I guess in a way, I just never really felt worthy enough to, to share it mm. because here I am, you know, s- still have all my limbs, you know, on the, on the outside, I look completely fine. I, I look like I'm, I'm just a normal person that can go out my daily life. But what people don't see is, you know, even though it happened February 7th of 2007, I have major back issues that I still go to therapy every single week, sometimes twice mm. a week ever since then. So you're looking at more than, more than like 12, 10 to 13 years that I still do that. And then still de- fighting other demons when it comes to uh, the physical mental or mental capacity as well. Um, me, me and my chaplain, we were both at a walking checkpoint in uh, Barwana, Iraq. And I remember I was standing in the center of where, uh, where people were walking through. So we can actually see people walking in and out. And I was in the center with another Marine, just kind of doing my main duty. So a lot of stuff that we do is provide moral support for Marines and sailors. And we, we spent a lot of time in different fobs and different places where, where they're at to give, to give that support. So, um, you know, if you got Marines that are sitting in a fob and they're in the same place doing the same duty, same shifts all the time, you know, that can get to you on a mental, um, mentally. And they, you know, we, we go in there, we provide the moral support. And so, uh, ultimately I, I'm like, try to be the smiling face in a difficult situation. <laughs> so I, I try to, I try to have like provide, you know, different conversations, get their mind off thinking of where they're at and, and just trying to, you know, give that moral support to just saying, Hey, you know what, you know, we're all here together and stuff like that. So I was staying in the center of this walking checkpoint area with another Marine for a while. My chaplain is behind this barricade talking to uh, another Marine. I can't remember if it was our first sergeant or CO or, or whoever it was, but around another area. And I was probably standing here for probably a solid 30 minutes, 45 minutes, maybe an hour and nothing really, really going on. Um, not a lot of action, just a lot of people coming in and out and just doing our thing and uh, having great conversation with uh, his, his name at the time was uh, Corporal Emery. And uh, I, I got this, I, I don't, I, I'm a man of faith. You know, I'm, I'm a strong believer, a Christian. And, you know, every time I, I went out and hit that, got on the Humvee and hit on the road, I learned to memorize and pray over Psalm 91 for me and just mm. really believe that God was going to watch over me. I don't know if you know that scripture at all, yep, but yep. You know, there's a huge part of it where it says, you know, a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but you yep. will not be touched. But I memorized that entire verse uh, from top to bottom. And, and uh, yeah, every time I got that Humvee, you know, it was, it was like, you just didn't know what was going to happen. You didn't mm. know if you were going to live the next day or what was going to go on. And, and, you know, talking about just sweats coming down and stuff. But the thing is, we were always, all our training always prepared us for the what ifs. All our training yeah. prepared us for the times when it would be difficult and we just never knew. So, you know, training just kind of kick in. You get in that seat, the Humvee, you go do your mission, you do what you got to do. So we went, I, I got in a convoy um, and a Humvee was heading down there with chaps and, and just kind of doing our thing. And, you know, we never really hung out in this, uh, this checkpoint for a while, but, you know, for this day we went down there and, you know, this is probably the first time we had, you know, me, the chaplain, our battalion CO, our battalion sergeant major, I mean, first sergeants, I mean, you had all the brass that was down there in this one area. And normally we're not all in the same area at the same time doing it, but, you know, things up until this point were a little bit more calm. I mean, there was some stuff that we would see, but they were a little bit more calm on an average day. It was a very nice day outside and we get down there. I'm staying with Corporal Emery for a while. And then uh, talk about being a man of faith. Uh, you know, I, I felt like the Holy Spirit just kind of nudged me. And it was like mm. almost this feeling in my gut. It's like, hey, you need to move. It's yeah. type deal. So I was like, oh, you know what? I need to respond. And like, hey, where's the chaplain at? You know, I, I couldn't see him. He was around a barricade. And I, I wanted to check on and make sure. I knew he was good because we were in an enclosed area. So no one could really come in or out. And I knew he was with a bunch of Marines, but I couldn't really see him because he was around a barricade. So I just wanted to kind of go check and see see where he was at, making sure that, you know, he was good. He didn't need me for anything or, or something like that. So so 
I, I listened to my gut feeling and I was like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll move. And it was uh, when I was walking, my sergeant major walked past. Well, uh, part, of, part of the Marine Corps is when you're an enlisted or you're a younger Marine or sailor or something like that, you always greet the senior personnel that's walking by. So as always, I always walk by and sergeant major was like, hey, good morning, sergeant major. Or good afternoon, sergeant major. Um, it was about 1 p.m. around that time. So good afternoon, sergeant major. And he had this really deep voice that you just can't forget. And uh, <laughs> we were just, um, you know, his name was sergeant major Ellis. And he was like, RP, like he didn't even say good morning or afternoon, just like RP, like in a really deep voice. And his voice just, just like sticks out at me because uh, I'll tell you, he's touched so, like taught so many Marines and sailors, and, but he really took me under his wings. Like I'll never forget the times like being in our camp and he was, he would literally take me around every section, like going to see the CBs and the electric electricians, the, the motor T guys. And he's teaching me about every little thing. And he literally just took me and just walking around and spent wow. hours just teaching me stuff. That's cool. And, uh, and I, I wasn't, I wasn't like the the best of the best person out there. I got in a lot of trouble when, when I was uh, in the military. Um, so for him to just kind of take me under his wing and kind of teach me and just, you know, I was a young buck and him just kind of showing me the ways was, was awesome. And uh, being the RP, I always got uh, I always got a bunch of care packages. Like my church would support me. And, and even to the point, like at Christmas time, like they sent me enough care packages where I was able to give over 2,000 Marines and sailors like a really good Christmas. Wow. That's I'm talking awesome. about like Gerber's, DVDs, DVD players. I mean, tons of stuff. Wow. And uh, so but one thing that got on a regular basis uh, is Sergeant Major always wanted foot powder because we always – that was like golden out there. So yeah. you got foot powder because your your socks are always getting wet and you get all the moisture for your feet. So you always want foot powder. So whenever I got a care package in, I would get a box full of foot powder. I always left it like outside of his tent uh, for him to have whenever he woke up that's in the morning awesome. and make sure he had a, a fresh fresh bottle. So yeah. anyways, that's kind of getting off target, but I'm just I'm just kind of thinking of like past memories about him. But yeah. Uh, so anyways, I'm, I get that nudge to want to walk and Sergeant Major, you know, I get that greeting and we walk and, uh, you know, he says my name like RP in that deep voice. I get around the corner, I see the chaplain and I'm literally probably feet away. Like it could be seven to 10 feet, maybe 12 feet, but I'm, I'm feet away from where that, that walking point is where people are walking in, where they stop. Then we let one person at a time while another Marine is out there, like, uh, probably searching him or tell him when he can go and stuff like that. And as I walk by and Sergeant Major passed me, Sergeant Major ended up being like right where I was, right by Corporal Emery um, is when is when that that uh, that coward pretty much left off the the blast and we we didn't know it was a suicide bombing until later we thought it was uh, mortars coming in mm -hmm. but we all we all triggered and we we did our thing and, and we all reacted to the way that we were to appropriately but when that blast happened you know saying I was only feet away I was thrown I may have been knocked out for a second I had complete tunnel vision and only thing I knew was like I had like ringing in my ears I couldn't really lift my arm my arm was like completely messed up and um, didn't know what was going on. I, even today, like raising my arm over my head, my elbow from my side, that's where my pain is. It's in my back. I've seen mm -hmm. every specialist you can imagine. No one can really do anything. So their, their cure for me is just learning how to cope with pain. And that's, mm -hmm. that's kind of the diagnosis that I get. Um, but anyways, so that blast happened, I was thrown to the ground and I was probably, uh, unconscious for a period of time and had ringing in my ears, side of my face was completely numb. Couldn't, and I couldn't see anything on the left and right. It was just completely just straight in front of me. And wow. I saw, uh, first sergeant or gun it was over back by the barn where that shelter was and they were like screaming my name and I saw my chaplain on the ground barely able to move and he's trying to crawl and um, from where we were and to where the the shelter was it was probably a good uh, 25, 50, 25 to 50 yards so um, I could barely move but I grabbed him and I, I dragged him on the ground all the way there from the back of his flak while his face is uh, to the ground he's he's crawling and I'm, I'm dragging him pulling him until we got under shelter and Marines did their thing like they, they immediately mm -hmm. reacted and all the sailors and stuff and if you wanted to 
get a good picture of what this what this whole scene looks like, the only thing you can imagine it is being like in a movie. Like if you're watching a Vietnam movie or a war movie of any kind, you have helicopters flying in, there's smoke everywhere, sparklers are going, Marines are out patrolling, seeing what's going on, because we didn't know it was a suicide bomb until later, until yeah. we evaluated and figured out what was going on and where it was happening. Um, so we thought it was mortars coming in, we didn't know if there was going to be another attack or whatever it was coming in. So everyone kind of patrolled out to the city, seeing if there was anything else going on. And uh, in the midst of all this, you know, it was it was a big bloodbath. My sergeant major that I ended up just walking by and him, you know, standing where I was, he, he ended up losing his life and mm-hmm. he, he ended up dying from that blast. Um, Corporal Emery, uh, he, sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. <laughs> he ended up losing uh, both of his legs and, uh, mm-hmm. excuse me for a sec. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, losing both of his legs. We had a female Marine that wasn't that far away and, and uh, Je- Jennifer Purcell. Mm-hmm. You're good, man. Take your time. Sorry, I don't, I don't really... Uh, I don't talk about this much, uh, much less go into to all the details. Um, yeah. But yeah, Jennifer, she ended up, uh, she ended up dying from the blast. And there were a bunch of other injuries that, that took place that day. And even our interpreter, Jimmy, you know, dying. And I ended up, uh, after I got the chaplain secured, I seen Jimmy on the ground and, uh, gosh. There was another Marine and, and a corpsman that was standing over Jimmy, and then you had me right there with him, and I'm trying to keep Jimmy. I was really close to him, and uh, he, was, he was from Iraq, but he was, he was Canadian, and we would always sit and talk about his family and, mm. and how he couldn't wait to get back home and, and uh, be with them and stuff, but he sacrificed his life to, to be there with us to support the mission and things, and I remember standing there with Jimmy and just kind of standing over his head while the Marines and sailors, they were trying to patch up his holes from all the shrapnel and what was going on, and, and I, I just watched him take his uh, last breath and try to keep him there. I was like slapping him around, trying to keep him conscious and just kind of being, giving me attention and stuff like that. So anyways, the, yeah, so that, that's what ended up happening, uh, with that blast. And then once we, you know, seen what was all going on, there was a bunch of other locals that ended up dying and a ton of people injured. You know, I have a lot mm-hmm. of other friends that got, uh, gosh, they're still probably having surgery to pull and shrapnel all the body, you know, and this is since 2007. Um, you know, one of my, one of the guys is named is Tim and he, I think he lives down in Texas now. And he, I know he had surgery even years, every year for years later we we're still getting shrapnel out of his body uh, that just keeps coming to the service but uh anyways whew, sorry about that but <laughs> so it, it was the crazy thing about about this whole thing is uh i was probably closer than majority of the people that end up dying or, or losing limbs or whatever else in that blast and for whatever reason god decided to sacrifice my life protect me keep me safe and you know and kind of continue on the mission and i barely had a speck of blood on me so if you look at the back of my flak i had like one little speck of blood on the back of my vest. My chaplain even had blown up body parts that were all over him um, from other people, not even him. And uh, he wasn't he wasn't injured at all, but it 
was just from, it could have been from the guy that killed himself, could have been from mm-hmm. whoever, we don't know, but there was, there was body parts everywhere. And if you think of like uh, a person's torso, like we would see his torso, we would see arms and legs. And, and mm-hmm. I even, I even, because I, I even helped clean up the, the whole area. So even picking up the, the guy's head that killed wow. himself. So I was like, so if you, if you put, I want to, I want to fr- put that in there just so people can kind of see yeah. the image of what all of us had to go through. But the biggest part that I want to hit home, it's how we all reacted. Mm. Like we didn't allow emotion to kick in during that time. Come on. You immediately, like when things go on during that situation, mm. for all the practice that you guys do, all the training that we go through, you know how to respond. Like every single person, every sailor, every Marine, everyone knew their place of what they had to do during that moment. And it, it was... I remember being like standing over Jimmy and, and then being with my chaps going around, checking on Marines, making sure that people are doing everything. And it's like, it was just amazing to see like all the different Marines and sailors like out patrolling, doing exactly what they had to do. People, the corpsmen were caring for the people, the helicopters coming in. Everyone just kind of knew their place. They knew how to react. And I call this wow. an ambush. So because the ambush is like, it's something that comes in for a surprise and you learning how to respond without reacting. And to do so, the only way you're able to do that is to build that muscle memory. And it's through that training that you guys, that that we do constantly over and over. The things that we get annoyed with is like, man, I already know how to do this. Why do I need to practice this again? Yeah. Why do I need to sharpen that sword a little bit better when I already feel like a professional? Even the, even the pros that, that coach the professionals still have to practice. Every coach needs a coach. Every person needs to sharpen it that much thinner and that much better. Um, and it only comes through constant practice. Even when you feel like you're, you're, bet, you're good and you're great at it, you need to practice a little bit more because there, there could be something else and you just never know when you're going to be off game. You never know like where, where everything really counts is when an ambush happens like this mm-hmm. and it's how you're going to respond because okay. we all go, we all go through license or times in our life when we're going to be ambushed. Yeah. So if you want to get some goosebumps by, by the story, like that, that didn't give you more goosebumps. <laughs> like I, I don't even know if my mom's heard the story a hundred percent, but I remember getting back from, uh, from Iraq and they didn't, they didn't send me back um, medically or anything like that because, you know, externally I didn't look, I had any issues, even though I complained on a daily basis that not being able to lift my rifle and have this ring in my ear for like a month straight, they they still kept me there, which was fine. I'm glad that I was able to perform the mission and stick there with all the Marines and sailors. And I'm very, very grateful for that. But when I came back from Iraq, you know, kind of uh, my mom was asking me, he's like, hey, you know, did something happen around this time frame, around this date? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, well, actually, yeah. And I, I never told this story, but she was telling me like she was at church for a conference for during an event. Mm-hmm. And, di- and there was some public speakers. And during that public speaking, one of the guy was prophesying over. She was saying, hey, mm-hmm. my son's over in Iraq. They're, you know, he's fighting a war doing different things. And uh, the guy was praying, I don't even know who he was, but he was praying over my mom. And he said, Hey, you know, Psalm 91, you know, don't, don't worry about it. Your son is going to go through something very, very bad, but he is going to be surrounded by so many angels that he's not even going to be touched. And when I heard that, I was like, man, that there's no reason why I should be living here to be able to tell you the story today versus my Sergeant Major, or all these other people to be able to do it. So I feel like there's a duty for me to be out there to be able to support and help people. And, and, uh, yeah. and maybe, maybe my story will support and, or encourage someone to, kind of get out there and just know and and I, I have a reason why I want to share the story and it took me a long time to really figure out what the purpose was and maybe there's a lot more to it over time that I'll, I'll develop but you know first off you got to have a faith you got to have a purpose you got to have something that you're living for and that you're doing it and you got to find that that why you got to know like hey what am I here for what am I living for and what what is it something that 
uh, that what I can do to make a difference. Because the thing is, my audience and what I do for a living is I help personal trainers, you know, automate and uh, their online process and help them to get, you know, create an online business for personal training. My background is in fitness and martial arts. Grew up in it since I was pretty much before diapers and in a family-owned business. And, and this is the truth. So like, so it's something that I really know and understand when it when it comes to that. Um, but we all go through different things in life that we're not necessarily 100% prepared for. Um, but when, when you go through different situations like this, you got to make sure that you're prepared for it. You got to make sure that, hey, you know, when the, when the, excuse my language, but when the shit hits the fan, how are you going to react? Because that's what's really going to count. I mean, if your family was going to be attacked, if someone broke into your house, um, those are extreme stuff. Like you're on a street or you're, you're in, you're in combat and you're doing something and you get blown up. How are you going to react? You're in, uh, you know, a supermarket and you're seeing someone trying to steal something or you're seeing someone, a bad situation of something happening. How are you going to react? Or on a smaller scale, uh, for personal trainers or for a business, you know, you, you have, uh, a client that wants to cancel, how are you going to react? You have a, on a sales call and they give you different objections. How are you going to react to that? Um, you know, another one, you have a death in the family, you have a sickness in the family. We go to, we, we hit, we go through a recession, we go through a pandemic like, like COVID or whatever it is. You know, there's, there, the point is there's going to be different things in your life that's going to throw you off guard. That's going to sit there and take you off balance. And you, the thing is you got to know how to react and how to respond during those situations. Yes, so going 100%. back, so going back to like where that suicide bombing and I'm talking about everyone kind of knowing their place that only happened from building that practice and building that muscle memory and doing the constant training over and over. I can't tell you how many times that we would be doing the workups leading up to com- leading up to us going to Iraq is like we're, we're doing a deployment before a deployment. So we're mm-hmm. going doing all these workups, whether it's practicing being out at sea on the ship or it's practice going to 29 Palms and we're uh, have like a village set up where that looks like, like Iraq and we have uh, other people that are acting to do different things to kind of get us in that mindset of seeing different stuff. But we, you know, a lot of us, we've complained like, why are we doing this again? Why are we doing the same uh, training again? Why we just did this a hundred times. Why are mm. we having to do it again? And you don't realize until you're in the situation yeah. of why your, your sergeants, your gunnies and your superiors take you through this training over and over and over again. Or if you hire a business coach, why is your business coach spend so much time talking about sales, talking about objections, talking about marketing and different things like that? Because the thing is, even the professionals still have to practice it. And we have never really prepared yeah. for it because if you stop practicing it, and that and that objection does come. How are you going to respond if that mm-hmm. death happens in your family? How are you going to be re- able to respond? Are you going to be prepared for that, or are you going to be able to react off emotion and wow. it's going to really affect how how you do it? Is your business going to shut down because you had a death in the family? Is mm-hmm. your business going to shut down because you got diagnosed with cancer? Is your business going to shut down? Okay. Say say you're a husband, a father, or something like that. You're only you're the only breadwinner in the family. I am. I have two kids. Uh, I got four year old boy, two year old boy, and I have a little girl on the way. Um, and my wife, she sacrifice everything to be home with the kids. And I, I you know, I, I don't say it enough and I, I'm really, really bad at exp- expressing my appreciation for her because, you know, I'll take one day of doing what she does and I'm like, how in the heck does she do 24? <laughs> she sacrificed this as the father and as the husband and as the breadwinner in the family. If something happened to me, will my family be okay? Yeah. Will my family be or will, will we be able to pay the bills? Will we be able to take care of the, the daily necessities that needs to happen? Or is my wife going to stress out and struggle because of something bad or tragic happened in my life? So point being, 
and we are going to have different things in our life. They're going to throw us off balance. And I call yeah. all these things ambushes. So the ambushes that I'm referring to, it could be anything from big or tragic, like a death in the family or a suicide bombing to be an extreme, or it could be, uh, you know, a car accident. It could be, you know, a bill that you didn't have money to pay for or a recession. Lose a client, a big client. Yeah. Losing a big client because you're, that you depended a hundred percent on. How are you yeah. going to react to that? And yeah. business and, and life is all about being data driven and not emotion. And if you're, fo- if you're focused on being emotional driven and you react emotionally to every little thing possible, well, then you are not prepared. You're yeah. not ready to ambush. You're not ready for that what if day. But you got to get to the point saying, hey, you know what? If this happens, I can respond to it. If this happens, I'm prepared for it. Yes. 100%. Object a lot of them on sales calls. When those objections handling, I guarantee you that I'll be able to know how to overcome and react appropriately to helping that person overcome whatever that objection is to help them get to the, the solution that I want to help them get to. So people come to yeah. me for a certain reason and I know how to help them. And I, uh, going back to the point of personal trainers is you got to be necessarily certified in helping people and serving people, not necessarily certified in being a personal trainer. Anyone can mm-hmm. find a workout plan online for free. Anyone right. can be find a nutrition plan in any type of food category that you want. Yep online for free. That's not what's going to make you a good personal trainer. That's not what's going to make you very skilled in your job. What's going to make you skilled is being certified and helping people. So do you have a heart to, to give? Do you have a heart to help? Do you have a heart to serve? What That's what's going to make you really good. But you got to, even on the sales calls, it has to be all about them and really taking an ear to hear what their problem is yes. and learning how to respond to it so you can help lead them on the path to the destination that they want to get to. And yeah. If you don't know how to overcome that and those objections and that objection comes and you don't know how to respond to it appropriately, that's an ambush right there. That's mm-hmm. an ambush that you got to learn to sharpen that sword a little bit better so that when that does come up in the future, that you know how to react to it that much better. And that's why I say that you need to prepare. You need to identify what the problems are that you're having. You need to, uh, you need to, uh, sorry, identify what the problems are that are having. You need to create a plan that's going to help you execute or that's going to help you be able to overcome those objections. And then you need to execute what the mission is. And the yeah. mission is going to be the message or whatever the plan or whatever problem that they want to achieve. And if you can do that and you practice that over and over again, and you you identify and recognize what that is, that when you are in an ambush, whether it's going to be very extreme in a suicide bombing or a very small from a, a, an objection that can honestly change your life. Because mm-hmm. I'll, I'll take uh, Russell Brunson with ClickMalls where he says you're yeah. one fun away. You're pretty much one person away. You're one one mission away. You're one connection away. So good. From, you know, they get to it because you never know where that one connection can actually lead you and take you and introduce you to the next person that can transform your business. So good. You hit on so many topics. I'm going to jump in real quick because um, <clears throat> one thing that you just said, one of uh, a pastors that I follow is uh, Pastor T.D. Jakes, and he says that it may not be, you know, that person may not be the one, but they may be the person that leads you to the person, right? Or that yeah, job absolutely. may not be the job, but it may be the job that leads you to the job or to that breakthrough that you need, right? And so, but some of the other things that you said were, were so good is, um, you know, really taking yourself to that place, right? Putting yourself in that position ahead of time. So the training over and over and over and over and over so that when the storm does hit, when the ambush does hit, you've been there, you know what it's like, right? Because you've done your preparation. And some of the things I do uh, in a planner that I have, they're called morning prompts. And it is one of the questions is, what um, what in my schedule today could or who in my schedule today could trip me up, right? And so thinking mm, through great. that and then how will my best self respond to that? And so a lot of times as I think through it, I go, okay, I can imagine maybe this conversation not going as planned or this not happening as planned. And so now how am I going to respond to that, you know? 
um, but just mentally going through the exercises and preparing myself for that moment, how many times it's actually helped me in that moment. But yeah. I also want to say like when you, we go into a storm, we're heading into it, we can prepare, but there's sometimes things are going to come at us that we didn't, we didn't know right? Those are the ambushes. We didn't expect that. It's a storm within a storm. And so those are the things I always say, like, take note of when we're in a storm. It's like, don't beat ourselves up. Don't just turn and tuck tail and run back the other way. It's like, take note of that. Continue the mission. Continue to execute on facing that storm that you're currently in, but making note of, wait, I got ambushed over here by this. I wasn't expecting this here. So that when you're on the other side, now you can start making it a part of your plan again. Okay, I got hit by this. I need to prepare myself for this part of this storm if I enter this again, whether it's a conversation like you had, a sales conversation, or um, just to your point of like a death in the family. I've been, this is just super vulnerable here. My, my dad isn't doing well health-wise. And I, I'm already in my head, and then this may sound kind of weird to some folks who are listening, is, but I, I go there. I go there in my place, excuse me, in my head. I go to that place the, the day when he passes, you know, yeah. and I'm thinking about the emotions that I'm going to have and the feelings that's what's going to rise up and allow myself to go there now so that when it does happen, I can be strong for the family because I know there's going to be people in the family who's going to need some strength there in that time. And yeah. it's the same is true, um, kind of like what you were saying, you know, it's that those it's the, that muscle memory of knowing like, hey, I need, to, um, I need to be emotional when it's the right time. You know, there were, you know emotions were at bay. And uh, when you said that, I re- reminded me of story, uh, Chad Wright, former Navy SEAL who I follow, a good friend. He says one of the SEAL creeds was, is like, um, be emotional at the right time. So yeah, keep exactly. your emotions at bay. It doesn't mean that you can't be emotional. It just yeah, means yeah. be emotional at the right time. So like right now in the midst of, he was at a, in a race and he had deep concern for his competitor who they just were battling it out for 30 hours on a race course and doing an ultra marathon. And he just, the pure, you know, joy or the emotion of seeing him battle to his his end, and yet he had, still had more in him. He wanted to be emotional in that moment, but he's like, he remembered, wait a minute, it's not time to be emotional. You have a mission to complete. Go complete the mission, and then we can deal with that later. And so yeah. that is kind of the, to your point. It's like, um, it, it doesn't mean we can't be emotional. It means that there's a time and a place for it. But in the midst of the ambush, in the midst of the storm, you know, the buffalo has to be strong. And I'll say this too, just because I, I love this point, that the buffalo never headed into the storm alone. He had a community, right? It was yeah. this herd. The herd goes in together. And the strength of the buffalo is from the herd. The strength of your team was not from you. It was from the entire team, not from one other guy. It was the entire team. It wasn't just one person who brought the strength to that team and to that situation. And so um, the same is true in your business, your marriage, your relationships. It's like find the people around you and surround yourself with strong people so that when you go into a storm or when you are ambushed, you have a team around you that knows how to kick in and, and support you as well. And yeah. so, um, man, that's was, those were some really good stuff. And I thought about the, the, you said the sword, you said so many good things, man. I'm like, <laughs> so the sword though is sharpening the sword. Yes. It gets, it gets, 
annoying at times because we're like, it's already sharp. It's sharp as it can yeah. get, right? But so, the problem, so, that, so that takes me back to Ephesians 6. Yeah. You know, you're putting all the full armor of God. Yeah. So that's where, that's where it kind of takes me to. So that when the, day, when the time is right, right? So the yep. thing is, though, is like when we stop, that's when we, we if we're stopped, uh, the sharpening process, we, we begin to get dull. Yeah. Right? And the iron sharpens iron. We all, a lot of people like to quote that, right? And I did a study for a men's group one time on iron. And the corrosion process, which we call rust, right? It's the corrosion of the iron. And the problem is, is when that iron stops and it gets, it's, it's exposed to the elements, whether it's rain, whether it's oxygen, usually it's oxygen gets up underneath there and corrosion starts to begin. The flaky part starts to flake off, more oxygen, more, more exposure to the elements get in there, more corrosion happens. That iron um, gets flaky. And we can use that as ourselves. We get flaky when we're not allowing ourselves to be sharpened. We have to continue to sharpen ourselves, continue to sharpen whether it's our sales skills, whether it's our communication skills, whether um, whatever it may be, we have to continue to sharpen ourselves so that we, we, we don't get dull and, and surround yourself with people who, who sharpen you. And, and I know for me, I'm a sharpener. I love to sharpen people cause I want to be sharpened. Right. Yeah. Um, and, but not everybody wants that. And, and so we need to find those people to sharpen each other, uh, you know, so we can sharpen each other. So, um, amazing stuff. So, so, um, I want to go drop back real quick cause you said something and we were talking a little bit offline about it. And, uh, just before we close here, you talked about martial arts and the importance of that. You know, you kind of touched on it a little bit, but um, could you break that down a little bit, like how that how that really played a part in where you are today? Because I think if it's, you know, for the listeners, it may not be martial arts, but it, it needs to be something else in their life um, yeah. that, that instills that discipline. Um, and I, I saw a post earlier by Ray um, Care. Um, discipline um, defeats distraction. Hmm. And yeah. when we're not disciplined, distraction will come in. And, and so I think the problem with distraction is, is and I, forgive me if I misheard this earlier in your story, but I, I thought I caught you say, because there was a little uh, um, glitch in the audio, that, that that particular day, you know, you know you, or you guys were just kind of relaxed a little, you know, things would get relaxed, you know, you're just having conversations. And for me, when I heard that, I was like, distraction, right? We have to be, um, discipline will trump the distraction. So anyway, I just, I thought about that. And then when you said the martial arts, I because martial arts is all about discipline. So, yeah. So like when we're in Iraq, I'll, I'll kind of hit on that. Um, I may have said it or not, but we, there's signs everywhere that says like complacency kills. Mm. So when you get complacent that you know, ultimately it can kill you and, and, yeah. in a combat situation, that's your daily life. But in a real life situation, that's holds so true. Like if you get complacent in your business, you can place in, in your family, you get complacent um, in any area of your life, it can kill you. And not yeah. necessarily to the point of where it's actually physically killing you, but it can actually deteriorate and bring things down and distract you from what you want to achieve. Um, so that that's kind of the point of where I was making where we were, we were all a little bit relaxed that day um, when it comes down there. And, and we probably were a little bit more complacent because we were comfortable. There wasn't a lot of stuff going on and, yeah. and things like that. So we probably were a little bit more complacent than we needed to be. But it was so, you know, I look back and I'm like, man, it's so cool staying alongside of the best of the best in the military, mm. knowing that we can all, everyone knows their place and they know how 
how to react during a time of being ambushed. And that, that's, that's one thing that it took me years to really understand it. And I've had a lot of bitterness over the years, mm. like a lot of anger. And uh, just, just from that, it's like I, I wake up in a lot of pain. I go to bed a lot, a lot of pain. I, I mean, throughout the day, I'm constantly in pain. And it's the pain in my back that kind of takes me back and reminds me of everything I went through right there. But I had to almost persevere and push through and be like, hey, you know what? That's, that's a, a feeling that I have, but it doesn't identify who I am and what I need to accomplish. So I try to do that. But um, going back to the martial arts, so like I, I grew up in the martial arts since I was, you know, before diapers and in a family owned business. Uh, my mom always owned a family business. We had a pretty big school that we, me and my sisters grew up in. I have four sisters and it was like, we would be at the martial arts school before school, we'd be at the martial arts school after school and get home wow. late at night. And, and we all had a role. We all like did our part and helped uh, clean the school, uh, teach classes. I mean, I started teaching when I was 13 years old. Um, and I think that's what really helped me fall in love with the, the part of giving and helping. And, and one thing my mom always told me growing up, I don't know if this is even related or not, but I was always told that like JR never knows a stranger. Like I was always out there eagerly helping. I remember we were... I think we were in Phoenix, Arizona or something like that when we were younger at the Grand Canyon and there was a handicapped person getting out of a vehicle and uh, we were down a, a little further down a hill and I saw him getting out and the people were struggling getting him out and I immediately ran up the hill. It's probably maybe elementary school or something like that, getting up the, running up the hill, helping them get him out and it was like, I just, I never really cared about who the person was. It was like, hey, they need help and I got up there and did it. So I don't know if, that's even, if that stuff is even related um, to what I was going to say, but going back to the martial arts and having the discipline and uh, the distraction and stuff like that is when you're in martial arts, you know, you, it doesn't matter if it's day one of your training or if you've been in it for 40 plus years, every class you go to, you practice the same kick, the same punch, the same block, Mm. every single class. And it may seem mundane that like, Hey, you're doing the same thing all the time. And it's like, Oh, I got to go here and do this. Got to practice a punch a certain way. I got to practice a block a certain way. I have to move this certain way. And it's, it's not like it's changed from day one. It's the same yeah. exact thing. It's the same yeah. fundamentals of what you're doing. But the thing is, it goes back to making sure that you're prepared for the what if. Making yeah. sure you're prepared for that ambush so when it does come, you know how to react. And martial arts is all about that discipline. Mm. It's about the discipline of knowing like, hey, I can re- I can throw this punch a certain way. And I have a funny story uh, about it. And, um, you know, I've, I've been doing this since I was so long. I'm a fourth degree black belt. I stopped physically training myself um, when I came, probably 2016. I owned a martial arts school when I got out of the military. Yeah, so when you have the martial arts school and you're practicing the basic things all the time, it doesn't matter if it's day one or if it's day uh, 40 years down the road. You know, you, you got to practice the same stuff. Oh, but the story that I wanted to say is when I first went in the military, and I was at my first uh, duty station and uh, I, I had a, a meeting with all the other people, my colleagues and stuff like that. And I, I haven't been at this duty station or this command probably not even a month. And I remember uh, a guy named Ryan. He found out that I was a martial artist. He found out I was a black belt. And <laughs> I go in the conference room. I was like, not the last one there, but you know, there was, because I was so new, I was still trying to find my way in there. So I walk in a little bit later and he's in there and all I see is a punch thrown at my face. Like, like he put everything he got into because he was like, oh, and, and the joke was like, hey, let's see how JR responds. Yeah. And I'll tell you that by the, when I just remember walking through that door and then around the corner, it was like, boom, as fast as he can. And let's just say he had his face implant, like planted into the wall, like, and everyone just started to laugh at him. Okay, and, that's I, awesome. and I didn't, and I didn't even think twice about it. It was just because I practiced that so many 
times. Like I practice yeah. in martial arts, you practice getting hit. It sounds funny, but you got to get used to getting hit. You got to get used to going through those difficult times that, that put you down because you got to know how to react to it. So for me, having a, a punch thrown in my face, it wasn't scary to me. And I knew how to react to it and did exactly what I was trained to do. Um, and the joke ended up falling on him afterwards. So, um, so going back to my point is just like martial arts, just like the military, you practice that same stuff over and over again for those days that may come up. So yeah. you know how to react when the ambushes in your life do happen. Oh, uh, and it so gives good. you that discipline that you do need. Yeah. So good because you put yourself in un- uncomfortable places, you know, and that's, that's so true. I think that's the thing of the cow is always trying to run from the uncomfortable, right? Trying to avoid the uncomfortable when really it's only increasing the amount of time, stress, frustration, and pain that that cow is having to deal with that. And so, man, JR, I I just wanted to thank you for for coming on and sharing that story, that very vulnerable um, piece of the story. Thank you for being open to share that and a lot of lessons out of that. And I love how you've taken that and you've applied that to your daily life now and you're actually helping people and in, in, in that. And I, I really appreciate that. And I know, um, you know, as you said, you know, there's still some some lasting things and some things, but it's uh, those reminders to help you to continue to press forward. And so I just wanted to say thank you for your service. Thank you for, um, you know, and continuing to share that message to help others. I know it will. Yeah, no, thank you. And like I say, it is something new for me to to open up and be vulnerable to share it. So I just appreciate yeah. the opportunity to be able to get on here and share my story. And hopefully it inspires and helps, uh, even if it's just one person, to yeah. kind of shift their mindset of what they need to do. And and then then my, my job is complete. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mission complete. There we go. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And listeners, um, dig into JR's world. I'm going to have the, the links in the show notes where you can contact him uh, through Instagram or Facebook or wherever. And uh, he's on. And so I, I just uh, definitely, if you have questions for him or, you know, would like to, to learn more about what he does in his business with uh, fitness trainers and whatnot, definitely I'll have his uh, website and all that other stuff down in the show notes. So, but again, thank you so much, JR. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, brother. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, my friends, I hope you really enjoyed today's episode. If you did, do me a huge favor and head on over to iTunes. Leave me a rating and review. That will definitely help us get this message out to more people. Also, if you haven't done so already, let's connect. You can connect with me on my website, timdouglasinspires.com, and or on the social media sites, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Let me know that you listened to the podcast and that's how you found me. Lastly, stay tuned for more to come. And I definitely want to thank you again for subscribing, for sharing this with your friends, leaving a review, all that good fun stuff. So until next time, go out there, face your storms, make your difference in the world, and we'll see you next time on the Inspired Way podcast. Thank you.